me, let me just hit the beginning. Did any, anybody here take selfies? Anyone here take selfies? Come on, don't, don't act like you don't. Six times a day. Six times a day. Amen. Take selfies. Thank you, Kristen. I see you, girl. I see you. Take selfies. Anyone ever get that, 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 that mindset like, if I don't take a selfie here, like, like you ever had those epic moments, right, where it's, I got to take the selfie now because it's just epic. I, I've got to do it now. Anyone ever had those moments? I've got to take this picture now. Like, like this lady. You just got those epic moments, right? I got to take this picture now, right? It's, just, it's an epic moment. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to capture this now. I, I was reading these stats. D- stats from this year tell us that every day, check this out, every day, 92 million selfies are taken. 92 million. Kristen, you make about a third of that, girl? 92 million? 92 million. In fact, there's, a, uh, there's this... Uh, this term that's been coined called selfitis. It's described as self, uh, that obsessive compulsive desire to take photos of oneself and then post them on social media. In fact, it, uh, of, of uh, millennials, um, over half of millennials have already taken a selfie at some point in time. It's just what millennials do. Can I, can I tell you flat out, I have never taken a selfie. But I'm not a millennial. I've never taken one. I... I Anybody else like me? I just hate taking pictures, period. Is there, am I the only one? Okay. Thank you, all three of you. Okay. Uh, I, I have a face for radio. Don't put me on a camera. Okay. I, I, I recognize what I am. And it, so every day, 92 million people are taking selfies. So they had to start coining this term because it just became this, like, almost like a, a, a uh, it's actually the American uh, Psychiatric Association has officially confirmed that taking selfies has become a mental disorder. Yeah. Because of the need for it. Because the need, in fact, it, 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 stats actually say that those of you who, who love to take selfies, I'm not harping on you, it is what it is. You like to take selfies, fine. Okay, you'll take six pictures of yourself before you even consider posting. I mean, how, how, many, how many selfies have you deleted? I should say like this, right? How many have you deleted before you finally said, yep, you post? Come on, don't act like, mm, mm, mm. Baby, you are beautiful. I don't need to see it all over your social media to prove it. Every single day, in fact, they, uh, self-itis is so closely related to narcissism. Maybe you don't realize this, but this, this need to, to have this, this ex- excessive interest in the admiration of, of, of oneself, of, of one's physical appearance. I'm not calling you a narcissist. I'm just telling you what the, the APA ultimately kind of starts to refer to you as, this, this need to take these these pictures of yourself constantly. Selfie came around, what was it, about nine, ten years ago, right, when we first started hearing about selfies, the, the term, am I right? Is that, is that coming right? It used to be about a million selfies a year. Now it's almost a hundred million selfies taking a, a day, a day, a, a day. So, uh, there's like how many billions of pictures that are taken a day and 92 million of them are, that's a lot of us. Come on, somebody. That's just a, that's just a lot of you. Personally, I don't really don't care how many, how many selfies you decide to take the day. The problem is that selfies often illustrate that contrast between who we really are and who we are trying to portray, <laughs> who are trying to convince. Come on, don't, don't act like there aren't, aren't, aren't those moms out there who have really nothing to do with their kids until they take pictures with them. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, shoot. Pastor's already coming to my front door. Ugh, don't, don't, don't act like those, those, those are, are, are great dads when, when they see your kids once a month. Come on. But for some reason, you post all over your social media like, like you're with them all the time. Come on. Your baby mama knows better. I really don't care how many selfies you, you, you choose to take because really the goal of the message is simply this today. I want to help you let go of who you think you're supposed to be and help you grab a hold of everything God has called you to be. Amen. Is that all right? Is that all right? All right, someone needs your help today. Come on, I need you to put your hands together if you believe God wants to move me from pretense to a position. Amen. Let me, let me read you uh, my main text here for today. This comes from Genesis 32. My main text today comes from Genesis 32. And then we're going to have a little fun for just a moment because, yeah, I believe church shouldn't be boring. Amen? Okay, amen? Is that okay? Oh, come on, who wants, who wants to be here for, for two hours if it's going to be boring? Two hours? I should say two hours. Good Lord. No worries. It's, it's early. It's early. We'll see what happens, right? Genesis 32. Let me start in verse 22. It says this. It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives. Someone say two wives. 
Come on, we're going to have to deal with that in some kind of future series, right? That just, two wives, good Lord. Check this next part out. And his two servant wives. Woo, you like this church yet? Come on. And his 11 sons, and he crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. Now check this out here. And a man came. It's actually, in the Hebrew, it defines this, this man with more of a, a, a capital pronoun. The, 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 a man came and wrestled with Jacob until the dawn began to break. And when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched, or, or actually described as he struck, okay? He smote. There we go. We're going to hear a smote word. He, he smote. What's this with me and my messages and in, in, in angelic beings, divinity hitting us? Okay, I don't... I don't know, it's just a fun series right now. I'm just having a good time, right? But it says that this man struck Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its, its socket. Then the, the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked Jacob, and he replied, my name is Jacob. Verse 28, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. Just look at somebody and say, you've won. Come on, just the fact that you're here today, you've won. You could have stayed in bed, but you showed up, you won. You could have been home complaining and whining about how terrible your week was, how bad your boss is, how much you hate your wife and your life, but no, you came to the house of God today. You've won. You've won. Now, here's what Jacob says. Jacob says, Jacob says this. He says, please tell me your name. The man replies, why do you want to know my name? He doesn't even give an answer. He just says, ah, I'm going to bless you. And in that moment, he blesses Jacob right there. And Jacob named that place Peniel, which means the face of God. For he said this, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Can I tell you, I've lived this life long enough as a Christian to realize sometimes the main reason that we struggle with God is because we want God to do things our way. And, and we struggle to do it his way. Can I illustrate this for just a moment? Can I illustrate this? This is right. Zion's in. Come here, Zion guy. Come here, my guy. Come here. His birthday's in two days. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Here you go, Zion. I need, I, need, uh, I need just one more person. I just need one more illustration. Aiden right there? Aiden, I see you. Come here, Aiden. Come here, Aiden. Come here. All right, come here. Are right, you guys stand right here on these steps for me. Michael, you got that for them? Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to try a little something. Just stand right here on these steps and face everybody. Okay, face everybody. I'm going to give you both. There you go. I'm going to give you both a cup of ice, okay? And what's going to happen is I'm going to give you 60 seconds to melt that ice, okay, as, as best you can, all right? You're going you're to melt that ice how, 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 however... However you can. Okay, you're going to do it the best you can, all right? You good with that? 60 seconds. You try to melt that ice as best you can, all right? I'm going to count it off. I'm going to count it off. But, but, oh, oh, here's just a quick catch. Before you do, I'm going to participate to you. Okay? So you guys are going to do the best you can in your own power to melt that ice. I'm going to do the, the best that I can, not just in my power, but with someone else's power. Are y'all ready? 60 seconds. 60 seconds. We're going to do the best we can to melt his ice. Y'all ready? All right. Let's give, let's, give him a little, let's give him a little dancing music, okay? Let's give him a little dancing music, y'all. Okay, y'all ready for this? I'm, just, I'm an old school church boy right here, right? Y'all ready? Sixty seconds on your mark. Get some. There is power, power, wonder working in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. How y'all doing? Power, wonder working in the precious blood of the Lamb. Y'all know this one? Hey, there is power. Come on, three seconds. Power, wonder working in the blood. Let's see how you guys did. Let me see. Show me. Not bad. 
What you got there, my guy? Not bad. Hmm. What do you think? In comparison, who do you think won? I think I won. Yeah, sorry, birthday boy. I think I won. And you know why I won? Because you tried to do it in your own power. But I had some help. I tapped into a higher power. I tapped into something that wasn't my own power. And I found that there's greater blessings every time I don't try to do it on my own. I look for help somewhere else. Come on, somebody. You've done enough of it on your own. You tried hard to win and succeed. God is trying to let you know today, I've got a greater power. And if you'll surrender to my greater power, you're going to see my greater blessing in your life. Can you say amen? Come on, give it up for these guys. You guys are good. Get out of here. Good. Get out of here. Sorry, and I was doing design. Get out of here. Happy birthday, Zai. Can you agree with me that sometimes the reason I struggle is because I'm really trying my best to do it in my own power. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to, to make this thing work, to make this thing happen. I'm doing everything I can to achieve and obtain and get ahead. And at the end of the day, life gets so much easier when I just let someone else's power. When I just surrender to someone else's greater power. Can I get an amen from the men and women in this room who have recognized when I submit to his power, I see his blessings in my life. Amen. I, I love this whole story that we're reading in, in Genesis 32 because Jacob is physically wrestling with God. Theologians believe that this wasn't just some angel, that this wasn't just some common man. That the fact that Jacob fell down in worship and even said, I've seen God face to face, means that he's been wrestling with the Almighty. It's probably an, an appearance, if you will, of, of Jesus, but before he became Jesus. A Christophany is what they call it, where there's a, a, an appearance, a theological appearance, a physical appearance of Jesus in the flesh. And, and, and now Jacob is wrestling. Listen, I've been mad at God, but I've never tried to fight him. Anybody else? You know what I'm saying? I've, I've been upset with God, but I've never been, let's go. Uh, I've, I've never been that way with God. I, I just, it just seems a little too bold and too, too brash, and, and, and you got a death sentence in this situation. And, and, and what I see about Jacob, though, is this isn't the first time in Scripture that he was struggling, wrestling with someone else. In fact, it his fight started in the womb. You all know the story? You all know the story of Genesis? Uh, Genesis 25, the story of Jacob starts in Genesis 25, 21. Isaac, his father, Isaac, Jacob's father, pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife, Rebecca, because she was unable to bear children. So, so Isaac's pleading and praying to God. Can I encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, be careful what you plead and pray for. Okay, look at the next verse. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebecca became pregnant with twins. Be careful what you're asking for. Woo. But the two children, check this out, struggled. I think the NIV says they jostled. You know what jostling is where you're throwing elbows and, 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 and kicking and, 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 and fight, literally wrestling in the womb. The, the Bible says the two, the two children within her struggled. They, they fought in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. And, and, and she said what every mother, I believe, says at some point in time in their motherhood. Why is this happening to me? Can I get an amen from the mamas? And why is this happening to me? Did I pray for this, Lord? Did I pray for this struggle? Jesus. Why is this happening to me? I believe the inner struggle in this scripture is symbolic of the inner conflict that we all experience. When God is about to give birth some greater purpose, some, some greater dream. We, we, we struggle. A anybody else ever been there where you just, I, I know there's something God has placed on the inside of me, but it's a, it's a struggle. It, it, it's a conflict. And, and, and it, what I love here about Rebecca is her question doesn't matter half as much as where she goes to to get her answer. She goes to seek the Lord about it. Ladies and gentlemen, in this generation, I, where do you go? When you're conflicted, what do you turn to when, when the struggle is real? Who or, or, or what do, do you lean in on when, when, when your life just feels so over, overwhelming? Instead of turning to alcohol and, and instead of blaming other people and, and even instead of, of just going to people who only tell you what you want to hear, you've got to learn when the conflict within you is real, you must take it to the only one who knows how to do anything about what he placed on the inside of you anyway. God, what do I do about this dream? What do I do about this vision? What do I do about this, this calling? What do I do about this purpose? I'm conflicted. Why turn to anyone else? other than the one who created you. Why do we do this? Verse 23 tells us this. The Lord speaks back to Rebecca and he tells her, the sons in your womb will become two great nations. From the very beginning, 
The two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. And your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she indeed did have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a, like a furry kawoo. What kind, of, what kind of beast child did you just push out of your womb? Thick and covered with, 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 with woo. I, I, um, I, I was 10 and a half pounds when I was born at birth. 10 and a half pounds. Can you, 10 and a half pounds. Well, look at us now, right? Look at us now. Come on. What, haven't, haven't put on much since then. But, but 10 and a half pounds, dark and hairy. I'm the only kid in my, of my siblings that has dark hair and hairy. That's why when my dad looked at me, he's like, that ain't my kid. Literally, he said, whose ugly baby is that? I think he's owned me now, but, but it's like, wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait a second. Look, look, at this, look at this thick, furry kid she just pushed out. And then they Esau. Esau. The, the idea of him being red. The, the, the Edomites, named after Esau. The, the red people, if you will. So they named him Esau. And then the other twin was born with his, check this out. His hand grasping Esau's heel. So they name him Esau because he's red and furry. And they name the second one es- uh, Jacob because he's grabbed a hold of his brother's heel. Jacob literally means heel grabber. Supplanter. The one who's trying to overthrow. A, a deceiver. If you will. He, he, he's trying to get ahead in life. What's so crazy to me is that Jacob is named for something he was doing before he even knew he, what he was doing, before he was even conscious. They gave him the name. It, it, my, my parents were actually prophesied over me before I came out fat and ugly. They, it was prophesied before they, even, before they even knew that I was a boy. It was a prophetic word that came that the male son in your womb will be prosperous. So my dad found the name Jamin just in case you didn't know how to say my name properly, Jamin. They found the name Jamin because it means son of my right hand, or, or, or if you will, my right arm, my, my prosperous arm, my, my powerful arm. So they gave me this name before, before they even knew I, 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 I was a boy. Thank God I popped out a boy. Hello, somebody. I'm thankful anyway. Amen. And the, and, and the, the idea is just simply this. The, the, they have, we have these names that, are, that have been given to us. And Jacob's name was given to him because of what he was doing before he was even fully aware. Had a hold of his brother's heel. Uh, I, I, I'll be very careful how I say this next. But even as a fetus, Jacob was showing us what we all instinctively care about. I say fetus because you non-Bible readers will refer to a baby still in the womb as a fetus, but clearly, according to Scripture, this is a very much alive, aware, conscious being. I'm not trying to get all political on you. You can take it up with Scripture. They, I, didn't, I didn't write it. But, but, but here, here it is. Jacob shows us, even before we're born, we are instinctively me first. What about me? I gotta get mine. This mentality that we carry as humanity. How many of us are grabbing after possessions and positions the way that Jacob grabbed after heels? Just trying to get ahead. Trying to get mine. And I really can't blame Jacob. Come on, you, when you, if you know anything about ancient cultures, you can't really blame them, right? In ancient society, the firstborn was actually given the birthright. The birthright guaranteed that he was going to get the largest portion of his father's inheritance. He was going to get a, a much bigger, much more sizable, substantial amount of the inheritance. So I understand why ultimately he wanted to be born first. Here's the problem, and I heard someone say this before. We don't always take pride in a particular possession. We just take pride in having more of that possession than someone else. Come on, somebody. I got a big house. Mine is bigger. I got a nice car. Mine is nicer. I got a cute boyfriend. Mine is cuter. Okay. You know, you remind me of 
Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. Anyone know where Jacob's a grandfather came from? A land called Ur. He came from the land called Ur. And I wonder sometimes, are we still living in a land called Ur? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to be thin. We've got to be thin. Not enough to be Michael Buff. We've got to be Buff. It's not enough to have something new. It's got to be new. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. At what point in time is the iPhone 20, 2500? It's got to be new. Err, 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 err. It's got to be new. Err, it's got to be. Come on. I know your kid is smart, but my kid is smart. Come on, you know, you know how this goes. At some point in time, I, I know you've got your sin, but I'm a sin. Okay, watch out. You don't have to warn up me in everything. Come on, somebody. Hello. Right? And yet this seems to be the mentality of our society. It's a me first instinct. Where did your me first instinct come from? Can I tell you what the Bible says? Psalms 51.5 says, I was born a sinner. Ooh. Yes, from the moment my mother... Oh, shoot. Maybe I'm not a, just a fetus, an embryo after all. Maybe I'm a spirit and a soul from the moment I'm... Con- I, don't, I don't even mean to get off on, on, on this politically, because I know some of you are already ready to send me hate letters after this, Okay. I'll just tell you what the scriptures say. From the moment my mother conceived me, I was born a sinner. Psalms 51.5 tells us that. For those of you who do not believe in the doctrine of original sin, here's all that tells me. You don't have kids yet. Because once you have children, you will realize that we are all born with original sin. Because I've never had to teach my kids to say me. I've never had to teach my kids to say mine. I've never had to teach my kids to say now. I've never had to teach my kids to say, I want it, I want it, I want it. But I have had to teach my children to say please. And I have had to teach my children to be patient. And I have had to teach my children, you got to share. Why? Come on, I know your house is crazy. You got children, don't, don't act like. Don't, 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 do not act like. My kids love each other. And they never fight. And they share everything. Please, I'm coming to your house and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to record everything you do because I need to write a manual on how to raise kids right. Don't sit here in church and be a liar. I would would love to tell you that my house is full of love and full of compassion and full of forgiveness and full of kindness and full of observance. Come on, somebody. But that's not just the reality when you have kids. Kids point out the fact that, good Lord, we all are born into sin. Let me give you a case in point. Last night, last night, Evangeline took a face plant off a chair. She wasn't hurt, thank God, but how quickly was everyone ready to jump up and and hold her and make sure she was okay? If you believe that, I got a beachfront property to show you in a land called Ur. When she fell on her face, guess what everybody started doing? You knew what we started doing. I jumped up to check on her, make sure she was okay, and I turned around and everybody just... Can't breathe, can't breathe, can't breathe. For like two minutes, right, Pastor Uncle? For like two minutes, they just laughed at her. I thank God she got up laughing too, but I would love to tell you that my children are compassionate. I would love to tell you they're concerned about each other. I would, I'd love to tell you that, but the reality is we're all sinners. And while it was funny, because she was okay, My question is, is it, even, is it even possible to have a God-first mentality in a me-first world? A God-first focus. How many people since 2020 has just stopped coming back to the presence of God? Because they no longer have a God-first mentality in a me-first society. Is, it, is, is Matthew 6.33 a fantasy? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
all these things will be added to you. That has nothing to do with me. Is it just a fantasy to quote this scripture in a me first society? Can I tell you this, what I've learned about me first? I've got three things I want to give you and I'll be quick. First thing I want to tell you is this. Me first is miserable. Some of the most miserable people I've ever counseled and I've ever ministered to and I've ever prayed with are miserable because they only think about themselves. How many young people have had to, I've tried to point out to them, hey, the reason you feel so alone and isolated is because you only care about you. If you would actually take the biblical approach and he or she who has friends must first show themselves to be friendly. Instead of trying to get everybody to like you, how about you just go out of your way to like everybody? But you're miserable because you only think about you. You're miserable because you're so extremely selfish. You're miserable because you only live your life for your own comfort, for your, for your own convenience. You're, you're miserable because you, you lack nothing, but you complain about everything. Please don't look at your teenager. You lack nothing, but you complain about everything. That's why you're miserable. It's a me-first mentality, and it makes you miserable. Listen to me, when you spend all of your time and energy going after illusions, you will be miserable. Trying to have the, the perfect relationship, the, the, the perfect career, the, 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 the perfect calling. It's an illusion. And that's why you're miserable. Jesus actually affirms our, our misery when he says this in Mark 8. He says, what does it profit a man, a profit a person, to gain the whole world? and yet forfeit his own soul. What does it profit you to get everything you want at the expense of you? What, what good is it to chase after stuff and, and status and security but lose your own soul? What, what good is it to finally get all of your desires but, but in the end, you dislike your own self? What does it profit you? You know what Jesus taught us in order to find ourselves? You know what we have to do? To find myself, I had to first lose myself so that God can reveal to me my true self. Just the verse before in Mark 8.35, he says, For whoever wants to save his own life has to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. I just want to say this to anybody who feels a call to ministry in your life. Listen to me. Me first never works in ministry. It's not going to work in your marriage. It's not going to work in your family. It's not going to work for your future. But it most definitely does not work in ministry. It is not about you. It takes you, but it's not about you. This is why Jesus taught me in Mark 9, 35. He called his 12 together and he said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and be servant of them all. Me first doesn't work. And almost anything in life. But it will not work if you're called to serve in ministry. Because guess what I am? Just a servant. I'm just a servant. You honor me by calling me pastor. But I'm just your servant. I'm the guy you call up when you got things going on at home. When somebody's sick. When there's a death. When there's a celebration. I'm here to serve. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's my job. That's my calling. That's my purpose. And I can't do it well if I make it all about me. I'm just trying to help somebody. You might want to think your career path. I feel called to ministry. Really? Then you've really got to get over you first. You've got to lose yourself so God can reveal to you your true self. Because it's only in losing myself, Jesus said, that I will find myself. I look at Jacob and, and took Jacob, guess what? Decades. Decades. Woo, if, if you've got decades behind you, you've, there's some hope for you. He lost his me first mentality after decades. Ms. Vidi, I, I look at the scriptures and it tells me that even in his 70s, Jacob was still about himself. He was possibly in his later 70s when he does this. He goes and tricks his blind, dying father 
into giving him his older brother's birth or blessing. He'd already got the birthright when he was a young man from his brother. His brother just gave it over to him for a, a bowl of stew. But in his 70s, he this ain't no young man. His, his mama put him up to it, but, but hey, mama, I'm 70 years old. He goes and tricks his blind, dying dad into getting the blessing that was supposed to go to Esau. Come on, at what point do you have to stop making excuses for yourself? I'm 70 now. I, I'm still thinking about me and me only. 70 years old. Here's what he does. Maybe you know this in the Bible. He gets dressed up in animal skins to basically pretend to be hairy. Okay. And then he, he goes before uh, Isaac and, and he pretends, uh, I'm Esau, I'm Esau, G- give me the blessing. And even Isaac's like, that, don't, that sounds like Jacob. I might be blind and dying, but I'm not deaf. Oh no, it's, it's, me, it's me Esau, daddy. It's me Esau. Give me the blessing. Give me the, give me the blessing. What I, what I see in this, in this situation with a seven-year-old man is that we all have this gap between the person we want to be and the person we really are. And oftentimes what we do is we create fake identities. Come on, how many of you got more than just one Facebook account? Hello, somebody. Because you, you, you got the real you and then the you you just want to show everybody else. Huh? Uh, or, or, or those, 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 those teenagers, right? That, 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 you know, they, they got those, those secret accounts, right? Those, those, I don't even know how to, how to refer to them. You know what I'm talking about. Those, those hidden accounts, right? That, my, my, what are they called? What are they? Private accounts. Because it's private to, to everyone. Well, it's private to my parents, but not to everyone else. Pri- pri- private accounts. Huh. So what you're doing is you created a, a false identity to bridge the gap between who you really are and who you want to make us believe you are. Okay. I get it. You're probably not, not, not my brother Dylan running around in a Batman costume at work. <laughs> Say because he loves Batman. But, uh, but most of you probably aren't running around in a bat- Batman costume. But, but, but my question is, if, if you're not running around in your Batman or Superman costume, RevDev, what costume are you wearing in order to get what you want? What mask are you wearing in order to get what, what you want? Hmm. My, my, here's my point. It's number two. My point is this. God won't bless who you pretend to be. Luke sixteen fifteen, Jesus says it to the Pharisees one time, the religious people. He says, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. Ooh. Listen to me. I, I know the story of Jacob. Yes, I understand that Jacob got the blessing by pretending to be somebody that he wasn't. But guess what? He had to spend the next 20 years running from his brother for his very life. See, the, the point is, yes, Jacob got exactly what he wanted, but he wasn't able to enjoy it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you might get exactly what you want, but you've got to know the price you paid is not worth it because you'll never be able to fully enjoy it because it's not what God had for you in the first place. Yes, you can fool me. You can put on your disguise and your costume and make me think there's your church clothes and there's your church shout and there's your church dance and there's your church offering. But guess what? Though you can fool me, you can never put on a disguise before the Almighty because he sees you for who you really are. That's why when Samuel came to anoint seven of David's brothers, he said, surely it's got to be this one. Surely it's got to be this one. But the Spirit of God spoke to him in 1 Samuel 16 and God said, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see things. You judge by the outward appearance, but God sees deeper. God sees the hearts. I know this ain't easy because you want me to believe I'm holy and I'm righteous and everything is good and everything is, is, is everything is perfect in my life that's why you can't even look me in the eyes you got your mask on and maybe I can't see past it but there's one who can there's one who can he says I look at the heart I see the heart. 70 years, Jacob's still only about himself. Me first. Me first. But then one day he comes to this point in time where he's not stealing birthrights and stealing blessings. He actually gets the blessing. 
gets the blessing. Right there, look at it. Verse 26, Genesis 32. Jesus says to him, or God says to him, whoever it was, I don't, I don't fully know, but, and it was one of those two. <laughs> he says to him, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless, come on, here's the real blessing, ladies and gentlemen. I will not let you go unless you bless me. I came to tell somebody today, let go of your costumes. Let go of your costumes. Because God's got a blessing. Let go of your costumes so you can receive God's blessings. Point three. I'm done here. Here's what I've learned about change. Change can be conflicting. And sometimes change requires conflict. Now, I am not sitting here and advocating for you to go and, instead of just protest, go and smash somebody's windows. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying for God to bring about change in your life, sometimes God isn't sweet about it. Sometimes God isn't kind about it. Because you've been stubborn for 70 years. You're still only about yourself. So sometimes God's got to bring some conflict into your stubborn little life so he can bring about the proper change he's always wanted for your life. Can I get an amen from somebody who's been through a little conflict with God? I don't want to give it up. I don't want to change it. I, I, I don't want to act that way. No, Lord. Oh, oh, oh. I won't let go till you bless me. Okay. All right. Here's, here's one. I want you to, if you do the math, here's what's even more crazy. 70 and he's still me first. Guess how old he is when he starts to wrestle with God? He's almost 100 years old. No wonder his hip went out of the joint. 100 years old. And he's wrestling with God. Here's a man who is, his whole life, he has conned his way through everything. Grabbing on to just the stuff he wants. But I love this. Now in the middle of this struggle, something grabs a hold of him. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, this is what happens when grace gets a hold of your life. All night long, he's wrestling with God, and, and, and God says to him, let me go, Jacob. And Jacob finally realizes I can't. I refuse to let you go because I've finally gotten a hold of the only one who can actually bring a real blessing into my life. I can't let you go. Let me give you two quick things right here. The first key to finding your true self is to make this decision. Don't let go of God. Don't let go of God. You really want to find who you really are? Don't let go of God. Only God is the one who knows us because God is the only one who created us. Therefore, God is the only one who can truly bless us. So don't tap out on God. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on his promises. Can you just grab somebody and say, hold on. Just tell them, hold on. Just tell them, hold on. Hold on. Don't give up yet. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I feel the, the, the anointing of, of Rose just floating on a, a, a wooden plank in the middle of the Atlantic while the Titanic going down. I'll never let go, Jack. I'll never. Just hold on. Don't let go. Don't let go of God. He's the only one who's got your real blessing. Don't let go. Second key is this. Do you really want to find your true self? Here's what you have to do. You have to admit who you really are. Admit who you really are. Who am I really? Who am I? Behind the pretense, behind the falsities, who am I really? Who am I? It takes real bravery to admit who you really are. God says to him, he says, what is your name? What is your name? Do you realize this is almost the same exact question that his blind and dying father asks him when he shows up pretending to be someone else? Isaac says to him, is that really you? Is that, wait, you sound like Jacob. Who, who are you? Who are you? Who, who, who's here? Who's, who's, who's trying to get this blessing? 
In that moment, that time, Jacob says to his father, it's me, I'm, I'm, I'm Esau. He might as well just have said, it's me, the liar. It's me, the deceiver. It's me, the heel grabber. It's me, the phony and the fake. That's what he should have said. But this time around, when he's almost 100 years old, God proposes the same question and he says, what is your name? And I love this about Jacob because he no longer pretends to be something that he's not. Jacob finally owns up to who he really is. And he says, I am what they call me. I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm the heel grabber. Ladies and gentlemen, there's your blessing. There's your blessing. The blessing isn't the new car. The blessing isn't the bigger house. The blessing isn't the promotion. The blessing isn't the business deal. The blessing is not getting a new cute boyfriend. The blessing is admitting who you truly are. The blessing is, I know who I am. And don't you love how this fight ends? I love this. God hits Jacob in his side. He hits him in his, in his side. You know what side he hits him in? He hits him in his Jacob side. He, he, he hits him in that area. You, anyone else got this testimony? God hit me right in the part of me that was always trying to control me and lead me and take me in my own path, in my own way. But God touched that part of me, that side of me, so that it would no longer have power over my life. Yes, it's still there. Jacob's still there. I still recognize it every time I walk. Jacob still has some position, but he no longer has any power. This is what I went to say to somebody here today. Jacob used to be strong, but then God touched me. God touched a part of me that used to lead me and control me, but now I walk with a limp, not because of what I've been through, not because of where I'm going. I walk with a limp because God touched me. And guess what? I didn't die there. I'm still moving forward. Somebody in this place testified. There was that moment when God touched a part of me that tried to lead me and control me. But in that moment, it wasn't about where I was or who I was. It's about the fact that God had a greater purpose on the inside of me because if you don't know what happens at the end of this fight here's what happens God blesses him he blesses him but that's not the entire blessing because what he does next is so profound it's a type in a shadow of what was to come in the New Testament he doesn't just bless him he changes the man's name <laughs> You used to be a deceiver. You used to be a heel grabber. You've always been identified by what you did when you only cared about yourself. But I've got a new name for you because you wouldn't let go of me. I've got something new for you because you would not give up on me. I've got something brand new for you. Ladies and gentlemen, he changes his name from heel grabber to Israel. Israel means triumphant with God. I fought with God. I don't know what your new name is, ladies and gentlemen, but I want to take ownership of this name. I've struggled and I've wrestled, but I've never let go of God. And I came to declare today in your life, God wants you to come as you truly are. But God is never going to leave you that way. He's got a blessing for you and a brand new name. Here's what that means. I've got a new identity. Every one of us who believe in Jesus, who received him, we have been given the right to be called something different. I am a child of God. Put your hand together and declare, I've got a new identity. I've got new DNA. I've been born again. It's a new name. And that's who I am. Stand your feet with me. I'm done. Stand your feet with me. I've got a new name. Which means I've got a new identity. I still remember the the moment it was a moment too when my siblings uh, 
my older siblings, not my younger ones. Sorry. My older siblings sat me down. I was 18. I'd just become pastor. Jamin. 18. Ooh, thank you for that. Amen. It, it shocked me too. It did. And in that moment, my, my siblings told me, said, look, you're our brother. We've known you all our life. You're Jamin. But God's given you a different title. And so in the presence of God's people, we're always going to refer to you as pastor. My brother and sister, just a, a, a year and three years younger than me, always referred to me as pastor in the presence of God's people. I didn't have to do that. But they saw God had given me a new name. Something that God had called me, and they wanted me to live up to that calling. So they spoke to me that way. This is why I will call you a child of God. Maybe you don't feel like it, maybe you don't even act like it, but I'm trying to speak up to who God has called you to be. And here's what's so crazy about this whole story. If you are a Bible reader, you know that many years later, Moses asked God the same exact question that that Jacob asked God. Jacob asked God, what's your name? Tell me your name. Guess what? The Bible tells us he doesn't even answer Jacob. He doesn't give him a name. Maybe it's because Jacob hasn't fulfilled what he's supposed to yet. Because Moses proposes to God the same question in Exodus 3. Moses asked God the same question. Look, verse 13. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am that I am. Say this to the people of Israel. Check it out. I am has sent me to you. God also told this to Moses. Say to the Israelites, Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, here's my name, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Man, this ministered to me so much when I caught this revelation. This is my name forever, and this is how I will be remembered in every generation. You say this to Israel tell them I'm Jacob's God say this to those who are triumphant with me I'm the deceiver's God say this to those who have victory with me and overcome I'm the heel grabber's someone's gonna catch this in your spirit before you leave today I promise you're gonna get this come on if I was God I'd only want God to speak about the good side of me come on in those selfies you know you don't get your bad side you make sure get my good side when Pastor Ovi takes a picture she's already told me she explained it to me today here's what happens uh, whatever side her hair looks the best on get my good side I'll say whatever side it whatever as long as my hair looks good on that side get my good if I was God I'd want God to only talk about my good side but that's not my God our God says to Moses if you want to know who I really am I am the God of Abraham I am the God of Isaac I am the God of Jacob I renamed him but I'm still the God of his good side and the God of his bad side I'm not just the God of his pretty side I'm the God of his ugly side I'm not just the God of his success I'm the God of his failures I'm not just the God of his healing I'm the God of his diseases I'm not just the God who's there when he wins I'm the God who's there when he loses I am that I am can you lift your voice and help me praise the God who sees me for who I really am my good side and my bad side my pretty side and my ugly side he's still the God of Jacob now and forever come on to the hands of the hands in my life begins to change when I admit the conflict. There's a conflict that changed here. Yes. You're the God of when I'm Israel. And you're the God when I'm, you're still my God when I'm Jacob. You're my God. 
And that's how he chooses to be identified for all generations. Can we just lift our hands and worship the God who's called us to something greater but still loves us when we're something lesser. Oh, he, he's the God who's ready to lead me into every victory. But he's still my God when I wallow in defeat and despair. He's the God of my breakthrough. But he's also my God when I'm depressed and overwhelmed. Can we just lift our hands? Just give me just, just 60 more seconds of heartfelt worship to the God who identifies. He could have called himself the God of Israel. But instead he says, I'm the God. Jacob. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. I don't have to have a meek first mentality anymore because he's already won everything that I need to win in this life. This is why I lift my voice and I lift my hands without being ashamed.